Okay, so good morning again. Great to see everybody. Welcome. It's good to be together, inside, together, celebrating, worshiping, and learning about God uh, in the same place at the same time. We welcome you, Calvary Online. Thanks for joining in and over in the traditional service. Good morning as well. Church, did you know, I always love to open with did you know, because I'm hoping you don't know. That's why I'm about to tell you what I'm about to tell you. So did you know, currently around the world, two-thirds of people attending churches are still online. Two-thirds. And so that's why when we look out at the crowd, we're excited to be with you. We can't wait to pray with you and worship with you. Uh, but Calvary Online, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining us. And the, the statistics continue to grow across the world right now. The church has changed. And uh, we embrace it. We love it. We're growing. People are growing. People tune in from all over the country uh, watching our service live right now. So uh, Calvary Online, welcome. We're glad you're here. Um, a couple things I want to share with you guys. The annual celebration is going to be February 6th. Do not miss the annual celebration. Yes, we have surprises. And yes, we're even going to have some treats for you guys once we figure out how we can do all that. But it's going to be a great weekend, a lot of fun. And as the uh, leadership team met last week, what we're going to do is we're going to reflect on 21 and give God the praise and the thanks and the glory that he deserves. And then we're going to look forward and let you know what's coming in 22. But what was so shocking for us is as we were brainstorming and putting this together, in like five minutes, we have this massive sheet full of gratitude and thankfulness and events and things that went on in 21 that we've kind of forgotten about. And we're going to look back and we're going to reflect and rejoice and celebrate those. So don't miss that. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then we're going to look forward in 22 and let you know where God is leading us, where we're going, what we're going to do, and some exciting things that are on the calendar for you guys. So February 6, 10 a.m., don't miss it. It's going to be awesome. And like I said, going to be some treats and some surprises there as well. Um, okay, so I want to make sure that as, you know, every, so, so okay. Every day I wake up, and I am just a hopelessly positive person. I just have to share that with you guys. You know, I'm like that tigger that hops out of bed, and I just go, and it's a great day. It drives my wife crazy at times, but it's fun. It's fun for us as a family. So I am so excited about what I'm about to tell you. So every day I'm like, okay, the pandemic's going to end soon, going to end soon, going to end soon, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. And what I want to remind you guys is care for your neighbors, care for your coworkers, Care for those around you. God has put you in this oikos moment. Remember, that's our Greek word about 8 to 15 people that God puts you in contact with all the time. And remember to reach out to them. Tell them you're praying for them. Ask how you can help. What can you do? And at Calvary, we want to pray with you guys. We want to help with you guys or help you guys. But we also want to equip you to do that as well. And so Calvary Online, you can email us any needs that you have, any prayer requests. But keep that in mind, guys, as we're, as we're all focusing on moving out of this thing and life getting back to normal. Um, forever Church has been changed, and we're excited about the, the advanced outreach that we have online. But always remember to love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's a commandment. And always care for those around you. So keep that in mind. Think about that. All right, as we slide into our giving moment, number one, thank you for your faithful and generous giving to the ministries and missions at Calvary Church. But I always like to go into, okay, this is Rob's version of the giving moment. And so after 25 years of ministry, uh, grateful for however you choose to give and whatever you want to do, you, you can give... Um, in the offering boxes out in the lobby, you can give to the URL on the screen. But what I am appreciative of is those of you that give electronically, online, reoccurring gifts. You know, it, it sounds not worshipy, but let me tell you why it helps us. For those of you in business, you know, you, you plan a budget and you work throughout the year. And traditionally in the summer when we all take vacations, the, the giving goes down if you're not in person. Well, that's when all the ministries go up. We have science camp, we have camp for high school and middle school, we do day events, and all these things ramp up because kids and students and preschoolers are available, we do more, but again, like I said, traditionally it goes down. So anyway, however you choose to give, we're grateful for your faithful and generous giving, and we appreciate all that you do here at Calvary Church. Um, okay, I'm going to slide into John here in just a moment and get ready for an amazing message, but I'm so grateful for how he is teaching us through the senses through touch last week, through taste. Now, I don't want to give away what he's going to talk about today, but make sure you listen up because it's a great message. Would you please put your hands together and welcome Pastor John Talbert. Thanks, brother. <clears throat> well, I have to acknowledge this was over here earlier. Is that, is that good? Do I feel level? Is that good? Okay. Um, there was a football game on it. Did anybody watch it? I'm just curious that uh, <clears throat> I feel really, really, really bad for Patrick, for, uh, uh, Patri for Packers fans. I already forgot who they were because uh, that was really hard to watch. Um, but it is fun to see the hometown boys 
I'll pull one out that was kind of fun. <clears throat> um, I'm, gonna, I'm calling it audible. I'm going to do something different. So if the people in the sound booth uh, could just follow me for a second. The last song that we sang, um, uh, I Stand with, with Arms. Could you guys pull the chorus up on the screen? Because I, I sing worship songs, and then I have these epiphany moments. So if we could pull that slide up that just says, so I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in all of the one who gave it all. And then the next line, it says, so I'll stand my soul, Lord, to you surrendered, all I have is yours. And I've been thinking about this from a standpoint of the, the all-encompassing parts of the body that you are, what makes you fully human is your body your soul and your spirit. And that song really encapsulates all those three things. Because the body is your physical presence and it's also your senses. And there's this call in the song to stand and arms like physically to say, wow, I'm here and to take in to the awe and the beauty of who God is through the senses and how that plays out. And then it goes to the soul. And the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. And so it says there, my, my soul, Lord, to you surrender, like I, I surrender my mind, my will, and my emotions. And then it ends with all I have is yours, that the, 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 the body stands and surrenders. The soul says, all, I give this to you, my mind, my will, and emotion. And then the connection to the divine, which is the spirit, which says that all I am is yours. And that song, I was sitting there, I'm having this, like this moment, I'm like, holy smokes, this, this chorus right here, it, it encapsulates the human condition of what God's calling us to be, which is this total surrender, but it starts really with your physical senses of taking it in, and then it goes to the, in, in the inner life. What comes from through the senses to your, your soul, and everybody is a soul. You don't have a soul, you are a soul. Your mind, your will, and your emotions, that that is surrendered over to God, and that's what a healthy soul is really what says, I want to connect to and surrender myself to the divine, to God himself. Did you, did you see that? I, I was a, it was an aha moment for me. It has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but I just got all excited. I'm like, man, I'm going to share that. I, have, I don't care if they like it, but I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, so, um, yeah, pretty fun. I have weird moments like that where I, I listen to songs while I'm worshiping, then I'll pause and I'm like, what does that mean? You know, like, I, I don't... My, you know, I don't know what that means, and I have to, you know, Google something and look something up to understand, because I don't want to just sing something, you know, if it's a heart cry, I want to really understand what that is. Okay, last week, I apologize, and I said that in the, in the film, but I, uh, Danny was like, yeah, you can go, and I'm like, are you sure? Because we just talked about, like, being present, and now I'm not here. That just feels super, like, he's like, no, 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 go. I said, okay, you're taking the heat for this one. Um, but it was, thank you for allowing me to go down and perform a wedding for my niece and to stay with the family and celebrate. It was really awesome. So we're in this series called True North. And the big idea is that God has created us, as I was just sharing, body, soul, and spirit, that all-encompassing piece of who you are. And the body is our collective, tangible, complex physiolo physiology that contains what we call this sensory hub that serves as the gateway that allows the outside world inside. It allows it to our innermost beings, our soul, which is our mind and our will and our emotions. And the senses animate our world and literally brings it inside. That's what the senses are designed to do. And the more I've gone through the series and the more I've been prepping and kind of thinking through, I, I am more keenly aware of my own senses when I wake up in the morning and I walk outside and I see this unbelievable sunrise. I feel the cool chill from, from the beach coming through our valley and I'm standing there and I hear the birds and I hear the owls, which is broken up shortly after that because I hear a chainsaw and then it just, you know, the whole thing goes away. But I have this moment, right, where I'm just like, I'm really, it's really heightened my senses. And we see that touch and taste the things we hear, the aromas that we smell, play into this integral part of our interaction with the world, but more importantly, how we understand and interact with God. And as you allow it to play in and be, become more aware, you become more keenly aware of God's gift, his promise, his presence, and who he is in your life. The second century saint, Irenaeus, 
said this. It says, the glory of God is man and woman fully alive. I love the idea and find it that it always invites reflection. What does it mean to be fully alive? And how well am I doing with that in my day-to-day, in the rush of my day, or in the press of the pandemic, or in the demands that work require? Am I being fully present? And how am I doing with that? One thing that I've learned that a big part of being fully alive is paying attention and being aware of God's present in the present moment, right where I already am. And I found that a good way to cultivate this is mindfulness and paying attention to the five senses. And when God speaks to us through our hearing or seeing, smell, touch, and taste, we know, it, we know this intuitively, but to think about it consciously, it's this powerful form of prayer and can also serve as a time of worship as you experience things. When we're inspired by a song on the radio or we're moved by the sights and sounds of a newborn baby or when I remember my kids this last summer, my grandkids playing in our pool and just feeling the cool water and hearing them play and laugh, experiencing the creative goodness of God that comes to me through this sensory hub. And what I think we do is we take advantage of it. We just, it's just part of who we are rather than a conduit for who God is. And these moments of proof are what St. Ignatius of Loyola, he believed this. He said that we can and should find God in all things. God meets us where we are as, living, as humans living and breathing and moving in a tangible world. The five senses are five entry points for God's love to become known to us. When you begin to play your senses out in that context, it changes now how you begin to see and experience and know God. So this morning we're going to talk about the impact of the sense of hearing and how that plays into the human condition. So I'll tell you a little story. Um, when I was growing up, I went in high school. I grew up in Southern California. And, um, you know, we just, I had a group of friends, and we were all kind of went to elementary school, junior high school, and high school together. And so I had a friend that lived nearby, and he got the first car. And so we would cruise around his car. Here's a picture of, his, uh, of a car. It was an avocado green Pinto. And man, we thought we were so cool. Did anybody ever own a Pinto? Did anybody ever die in a Pinto? Just like, this is before they recalled Pintos because they were exploding if somebody rear-ended you. That's a true thing. I mean, you can look it up. But we had this Pinto. And, and so as high school students, driving around and you know you have the sense of freedom and I Juan was my friend Juan was older than me so he drove us all around and we cruise around and just do stupid stuff and you know when you're in high school when you're a teenager you don't think of car maintenance you just you just run the car until it until it's dead and uh you use duct tape and when somebody says you should have put oil in it we're like Nobody told, I didn't know that. You know, how would I know that, right? We're high school kids. So we just ran this car until it was dead. And some of the things that would go, the radio would go, the antenna got torn off, or the door, you'd have to hold the door. Uh, we didn't have seat belts back then. We, you know, there were seat belts were tucked back in. You know, you're like reaching back in. Like, What's this strappy thing? Oh, it's a seat belt. Just tuck it back in. We didn't have those, you know. We didn't do that. But one of the first things to go was the brakes. And, and by brakes, I don't mean like, oh, yeah, the brakes are, you know, you have that little squelch plate or you have any of that kind of, oh, you should get your brakes checked or something like that. No, you push on the brakes to the floor. You just push to the floor. There was nothing. And so we still drove the car. I mean, um, what, what Juan would do is he would use the handbrake. And we would just drive the car and he'd accelerate with his foot and brake with his, don't judge me. This is what we did. You know, we're okay. You were crazy when you were in high school. Come on. Because you look at me like, man, you are dangerous. So, so we drive around and you know, drive to where we need to be. And Juan found out something. Because one time he pulled the, pulled the brake too hard and it screeched. He's like, oh, that was cool. I could just pull it and it and makes this really awful screeching sound. Then we had a new activity. And we would drive around and we'd see somebody walking, and we'd be, we'd be driving up, you know, on the road next to them, they'd be walking, and we would, we would just hit the brake, just, and then just put it back and just keep going. And the reaction, I mean, the, the, the sound was this, like, 
death was imminent, like something was really bad gonna happen, right? And so we would do that, and watching people's reactions was the funnest, most entertaining thing we could have ever done, ever. So we just literally, we would do it for hours. We would just drive around and find people walking and just, and they just, and we didn't have phones, we couldn't record it. It was just super funny for us. Not so funny for other people. But I remember, I remember doing this little kid and he, he fell off his bike and he ran home crying. We're like, oh my gosh, this is so funny. We did it to people. I don't know how many people, like, they turned in horror and then they fell over. They just would turn in horror and fall over. They probably died. I don't know. But it was funny. But it was all induced because they didn't even know it was us because we were just continuing just like tooling along like it was no big deal. And I remember that. I remember like, oh my gosh, this sound is so death-defining and it causes a similar reaction to every single person. Terror. Fear. I'm going to die at our expense and uh, their expense are our joy. Uh, but you have this sense where sound actually does things and it affects your emotions and it affects how you act and respond. It does it to animals too. So I have three dogs on our property and um, so we live out kind of in the mountains. So I was, I'm going to say when you hear a gunshot, um, we have gunshot out there. So people shoot guns out there. But or my, my dog's worst days are New Year's Eve and 4th of July. Those are the worst days for a dog's life. Because my dog, I'm just trying to put myself in my dog's brain, whether it's somebody shooting a gun, 4th of July, New Year's Eve, and this loud firing of stuff coming from here, coming from there. My dog thinks we're under attack, and my dog's trying to crawl into the bed or trying to get, I don't know what your dog does, but my dog, when it's scared, needs to get closer to my face. And so, like, I'm laying on the bed, and the dog is, like, turning front and backside close to my face, like, ah. But that's what happens. It even affects the emotions of an animal when you hear it. And that's how that plays out. So just a couple unique facts about hearing. Let me just walk through a couple of these unique facts about hearing. It's not comprehensive, it's just some that I wanted to play into this message here. First, is hearing makes memorable lifelong impressions. Memorable lifelong impressions. I have videos on my phone of moments that if I just played the audio, I would know exactly where we are, exactly what's happening. The moment my first grandchild was born, I have it on video. I've watched it so many times. I could just listen to it and I know exactly what's happening. I know exactly how I felt. I know the emotions that come back. My last grandkid that was just born last May, same thing. I have it on video. I was right there, captured it, and I've listened to it. And I'm like, the moment at the first cry, I get emotional just, just talking about it because it's just like I have captured something and it has marked something inside of me. It's locked a memory that's for a, a forever, lifelong impression. Now, what's weird is I have zero recollection of my own kids when they were born. I can remember, I, you know, I was there. I don't remember much of any of that back in the 80s. But for my two grandkids, every time I hear that, it takes me there because it's a memory bank that logs into your brain. We have a dog I was mentioning that we got when we got um, Jackson at eight weeks and it's been, we've had him for 10 years and he has been so wonderful, so therapeutic, such a beautiful, wonderful dog for our family. And I remember the day we got him because I filmed it. And I remember hearing him yip and seeing him wagging my tail, filming my wife crying. We, it was like this wonderful, tearful, emotional moment that 10 years ago, and I still feel it because it's logged in from just the sound alone of what God gifted us with, with this animal. So the, the sounds of kids laughing or crying, my parents' voice, many audible impressions that are logged into our memory, and when you hear them, it unlocks and opens up this massive memory bank of pictures and people and events, both good and bad. All kinds of sounds can do that for you. And when you hear something, it can take you back. So I'm gonna give, we're gonna we're just do a couple examples because it may trigger something for you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play something that marks a memory for me. I'll just let them play this real quick. You know, I was, I was wondering, you know, if you could keep on, because the force, it's got a lot of power, and it makes me feel like that. It, it makes me feel like that.
else take you back to 1979. That's back before Michael Jackson got really weird. He was, really, he was a really great artist, and that was the Off the Wall album. It came out in August 1979. I was going into high school, my first year in high school, from a private Christian school to a public high school, terrified. But I remember that song, and I remember what I wore, and I remember how I acted, and I remember all the things that are surrounded like that. Every time that song comes on, I am transported back to that moment. Anybody, I saw a couple of you kind of rocking out a little bit, you know. You're like, oh, that's the first time I think Michael Jackson's been played in the sanctuary. That's kind of cool. <laughs> Contextual. That's good. But that, that's what takes you back, and you remember things. And you have a memory bank based on what you have heard that is logged with so much information. It's incredible when you actually play into it and understand it. Here's another, and I want you to just, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Some of you will remember this when it happened. I want you to close your eyes and listen, and tell me where it takes you. So just listen to this. Just close your eyes and listen. McClanahan is there, the puck is still loose. 11 seconds, you've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow, up to Schultz. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! I have chills. I literally have chills right now. Anybody else have chills? Did anybody watch that live? That was the miracle on ice when the U.S. team beat the Russian team to go to the finals for the gold medal in the 1980 Winter Olympics at Lake Placid in New York. I remember it because I watched the whole thing. And I remember I was home alone, and I remember that happened, and I'm standing up in my living room like I, like I won. Like, yeah! Because you feel that emotion. And every time I hear someone say... Do you believe in miracles? It reminds me of 1980, Winter Olympics. But it's weird because it also has a, it has a downside for me because the Summer Olympics came shortly after and we boycotted those Summer Olympics. And my uncle, who was supposed to be on the Olympic team in 1980, he was 1972 Olympic, Olympian, 1976 Olympian, and it was going in his prime as a shot putter, Al Feuerbach, and couldn't go. So I'm reminded of that as well. And it's weird how a sound can take so much information and unpack into all this stuff that the sound makes memorable, lifelong impressions. Here's the, other, the next one, hearing. Hearing connects us to information. Hearing connects us to information. Our sense of hearing is always on duty. Even when you're not paying attention or focusing on something else, with any one of the other senses or taking a rest, a highly involved collaboration between your ears and your brains transmits and translates sounds of all kinds into the surroundings so you can learn of and understand what's going on around us. You're asleep, you still hear things, and it's still playing into your subconscious. The ears detect vibrations one-tenth of the size of a hydrogen atom as they move through the air, providing us with valuable information when, we, when it's most relevant to us. So the unique sounds that, say for me, come from my iPhone uh, that I passively hear. So I have it automatically set up and it connects me to information. I have settings for each of my, I have settings for text, calls, voicemails, emails, and Slack messages. I'm part of a startup uh, that, that the demand for us to respond quickly. And so I, I, have, I have to have all these sounds that are different. And my wife is like, your phone is like chattering over there by itself. I'm like, Oh, that's just Slack. I don't need to do that right now. Or that's this. And you're like, she doesn't know the sounds. I know exactly what each of the sounds means so I can respond accordingly. Oh, that's just a news, that's just a news uh, update for the A's. Oh, okay. She's like, can you turn your phone off? But I have this. It gives me information. It's connecting me, and I hear things. And whether it's electronically or whatever else, I am gathering information constantly. Whether I want to choose to whatever else, it is constantly going into my multi-terabited brain of memory and to log it in. Third thing. Oh, I was, uh, uh, another piece. I have, a, um, I have an app on my phone called Audubon. And it plays, it, what they've done is they've taken all these birds, different kinds of birds, and they've taken all the sounds of birds. And I will, I'll sit in my yard and I'll find a bird, identify the bird, and then I'll play those bird sounds. And birds are attacking me and all these kinds of things because they're just like, they're responding to these sounds. It, it collects 
and connects us to information. The next, hearing connects us socially. So our ability to bond and communicate with others largely depends on our ability to hear and understand the messages that they convey through speech. So the average person hears roughly around 70,000 words per day, and some, I have a lot of daughters, so I hear a few more. Um, conversations, instructions, jokes, secrets, words of appreciation, warning, whatever it may be. And tons of social content and context exchanged between people on the most efficient level. And just as we have a desire to share our life experiences with other people, so too we feel comfortable and compelled to share the world, their world with us beyond the scope of gestures and expressions to actually say and to hear words. Hearing is a sufficient means for enjoying social sharing and feeling part of mainstream society. Hearing is a big piece of that. In fact, when someone begins to lose aspects of hearing before they get the aid of hearing aids or whatever else, there is, a, there, I mean, there's studies that show isolation because it connects us socially to one another. Another one, hearing protects our outsides and our insides. Hearing protects that. Hearing serves as a warning signal to your brain and to your body, just, just like I mentioned about the screeching of the tires. Anytime I see, this, this happens to me all the time. There's lightning, which I'm like, whoa, lightning. Anytime there's thunder, which is usually seconds or so later, I don't know why, but I always duck. Like, lightning, wow, did you, did you see that? And then and I'll be driving the car, and then I duck like I'm, like I'm missing something. I always duck, and my wife's like, why are you ducking? I don't know. It's just a reaction to duck. Certain kinds of um, sounds cause us. Um, I, I, I was in Macy's a couple Christmases ago and shopping for someone, and, and I saw someone there with a dog. I'm like, oh, a dog. And I always, I'm a dog person, so I'm like, oh, I'm going to go pet the dog. And so I go over to pet this dog. It was like a little chihuahua in a stroller. And I go to pet the dog, and I, this has never happened to me before. The dog doesn't bark, the dog doesn't howl, the dog screams. Like, like a scream I've never heard before. Like this dog's just like, bah! like this, and, and it's super loud in Macy's. And I'm like, I'm standing there like this, hovered over this lady's, you know, stroller with something screaming in it, and everybody's looking at me. And what do they do? They're clutching their bags or their purse. Like I'm, and, I'm, and I'm the guy like, you know, sorry, your dog's screaming at me. I didn't know what to say, but it has that reaction that protects our outsides, our insides, like what's happening? People, and we get what we call fight or flight mode, and the sense of hearing is so dialed into the brain, and it signals something that says, should I run or should I fight? And when we hear the outside uh, weird noise, what, what's actually going on, you hear the noise, it goes into your ears, it goes into your brain for a reaction, and sends your body a, a, a physical response, and it happens in a nanosecond. That's what hearing does, and that's, it's that quick. The brain and body are so uniquely wired to take the sense of sound and modify action and behavior almost immediately. So here's the question. What does the Bible say about it? What does the Bible say about the sense of hearing? The Bible makes reference to hearing and listening more than any other sense. Verses that come to mind from the Old Testament and the New Testament, Deuteronomy, he says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So he's referencing right in the front end here. And that's known as what they call the Shema. And the Shema is a Jewish prayer that serves as the centerpiece for morning and evening prayer service or prayer rituals. And it's often a repeated declaration with the word hear, Shema, in it. To literally audibly hear this and to figuratively sense and perceive and experience that the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. And over and over again, the scriptures call us to hear again and again, much like we talked about in the first week in a figurative context of taste and see how that plays into the collective sensory perception of experiencing God. Shema, oh, hear Israel, oh, hear Israel through the senses that God is our God, that collectively see this, to hear and to listen, to perceive, to experience that our inward being and all that God has for us, he's saying to us, he wants us to experience him, experience him in our lives. And Shema also has another meaning to it, where Shema means to hear, to listen, and obey. And it has an action, a call to action, much different than the English version of the word hear. 
And so when you hear that, when you, when you get that word here, when God's calling us to hear, O Israel, or hear in the Old Testament, so the writers of, like, in the New Testament, Mark, Matthew, Luke, they use the Greek word akuo, which means to hear, which simply means to be endowed with the ability to, to actually hear. But Jesus would have used the Hebrew word or the Aramaic word that um, is different than our English word that has the connections of obedience intertwined in it. To hear and obey, to hear and respond. So here's what I want to do. I want to walk through a couple of these things, about what the Bible has to say about it. It's not, it's not exhaustive. It's just the ones that stood out to me that I, that I thought were unique to the idea of hearing. The first one is this. Hearing is God's intentional design. Hearing is God's intentional design. It's God's design. It says in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 12, it says this, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both. It's interesting, what's, when I look at that verse, I, th- I thought, well, okay, state the obvious. And what's interesting in the whole context is Solomon's giving um, direction to the young listener and to give him uh, counsel and advice. And what's, what's, it's what, interesting what's being said and what's being left out. Solomon wants us to focus our attention on the two God-given gifts that are available to the young listener that are blatantly obvious, the listening ear, the seeing eye. But what he's really saying is that these should be more, used more extensively than the others. He doesn't say the seeing, uh, the listening ear, the seeing eye, and the yapping mouth. He doesn't say that. He just says those two things. Like, these are the things that you should be, have attuned to you currently. That God has designed intentionally for us to use those things in discerning what's going on. Second, is hearing, hearing is God's call to action. Hearing is God's call to action. We just mentioned that with the Shema. I remember when I was, I was a kid, and my dad would say, he'd be working on the car, and he'd say something like, hey, run and get me a, a half-inch wrench. Well, when he said that, there was two things that, that were important for me to catch and, to, and to, to, to capture what he's saying. One was to get a half-inch wrench. Don't get another one. Get the half-inch wrench. And the second thing that was very important was Run. And I didn't know that because I was walking. And he said to me, what part of run did you not understand? Like, I said run. Run means something. Here's what this means. And I think hearing God's word calls us to action when you understand when he says, hear, O him who has ears to hear, let him hear. There's a difference between having ears and having ears to hear. It's literally the difference between hearing and listening and action-oriented listening. James chapter 1 talks about this specifically where he says, don't fool yourself. This is from the message version of the Bible where he says, don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything but. Letting the word of God go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear, he says. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are or what they look like. I like the way that that writer puts that. That hearing involves... God's call to action, the Shema of what he says, hear, O Israel, embrace this, is a call to movement. And the next part is hearing. Hearing is part of God's declaration, God's declaration. So when I hear a testimony and then I speak about it, or I speak a testimony and someone hears about it, it's all part of God's design. It's all part of when you experience the goodness of God, you experience the, the, something miraculous in your life, you experience God's goodness to you personally, and you speak of it, that's called a testimony. And somebody hears it, because they weren't there to experience, they didn't see, taste, smell, touch, they weren't there. You are audibly giving them the testimony of God. And God's, God's kingdom is built on testimony. Again and again, the testimony of the saints. What was said and what, what happened and then what was said and translated to generations beyond. This passage in Acts chapter 4 where uh, Peter and John early on in the early formation of the church and all these things were happening and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were going and they were healing people and they were preaching and they had confidence and they were speaking and the Sanhedrin was just like, who the heck are these guys? And trying to shut them down, throws them in prison 
and then says, okay, we're going to let you guys go, but you've got to stop talking. Because people are hearing what you're saying, and it's translating to who they are. And this is what they say. I love this passage. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Hearing is part of God's declaration. God speaks through our testimony. And as we share testimony or we hear testimony and we translate that testimony to somebody else, it is through the hearing that God's purposes are accomplished through testimony. Psalm 66 verse 16 says this, Come and hear all you hear for God. Let me tell you what he's done for me. I love that passage. Let me speak of what's happened in my own life. I don't have to give you a doctrinal explanation of who God is. I just got to tell you what he's done for me because you can't argue with my own narrative. That's happened for me. That's part of God's, hearing is God, it's part of God's declaration for his kingdom, for his purposes, for his redemption, for calling mankind to himself. And that's the last one here, hearing, the last one here is hearing is God's pathway towards redemption. It's literally the pathway towards being redeemed by the person and work of Christ. When you hear it and you activate it internally, by hearing it literally with your ears, and figuratively with your heart. Either way, you, you act upon it. It says this in Romans chapter 10. It says, so faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. In Ephesians 1.13, it says this, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and then this is the action, and you believed and you were marked in him with the seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit. I don't just hear it. I internalize it, the Shema. It's activated something in me. When God's calling me and God has leaned upon me and God has given somebody, when somebody like, yeah, I've heard about Jesus. And it could be any of us here where we're just like, we're, we're, we're living this, um, this a partial version of the Christian life where it says, I've heard about it, but am I acting in it? Have I actually literally responded and anchored that into who I am? That's the Shema of Jesus that's calling us to hear and activate. So I've been thinking through this and thinking, what, what do I want to share with you? What do I want to challenge you to think through as you go into this week? Um, and, and your work week, your home life, um, all the things that are going on, and how would hearing play into this, hearing for you and to challenge you with this? So if you're going to write some things down, this is what I would encourage you to write down. Uh, five things I want to heighten your sense towards hearing God. First one is this, is familiarize yourself hearing God's word. Familiarize hearing God's word. Now that seems super basic, but as I've processed this through, I'm 58 and I've been a Christian for a long time in my life, but I have done things audibly that has changed things for me that's anchoring God's word in my own life. Things that I'm, uh, that, that I'm keenly familiar with are things that I've anchored and familiarized again and again and again. So I'm one of those crazy people, and maybe there might be somebody here, that watches the TV show, The Office, from the beginning to the end. And then when I get to the end, I go back to the beginning and I start it all over again. And I just always, I just mind, that's my, that's my guilty pleasure. I just mindly click on The Office and I'll watch The Office. Anybody else Office fans here? You guys, okay. You, there's a whole cult of us that watch The Office. There's actually a whole online group that watch The Office again and again and loop through. I believe everything in life relates to The Office. It's hysterically funny. I know when the characters are in different, different movies and TV shows. I know all the quotes and the lines. And my wife is like, you are obsessed with this show. I said, I know. It's an addiction. I should go to recovery. But I, I, I'm involved in it. But it, when, when you have something like that that you're so versed in that you're using a line from the office or saying something from here, you're like, oh, my gosh, this reminds me of, of season three, episode four. You know, that, it's that kind of thing. It's the same thing with God's word. One of the things for me that I've been doing, and I've been doing this the past four years, is to listen to the Bible audibly. So I've been, I've been reading the Bible my whole life, but I've never actually listened to it unless somebody was preach, you know, a preacher and he was preaching from a specific passage and he gave me that passage. I am reading it and listening to it audibly from beginning to end. And I'm, I'm, I've done it four years. This is my fifth year. Just started. Listening to God's word and um, processing it. And sometimes I'll be in the car and I'll just put on the Bible. And that sounds weird, but I just do it. 
and I'll just listen to something. And sometimes I'll be talking to somebody on the phone. It's still playing in the background. I'm still playing it because I believe that it's anchoring into my brain in a way into my subconscious. In fact, what they teach children in school is that, and parents, when they're teaching your kid to read, is when you're reading out loud, when you're reading out loud to them, and you're also, and they're following along, that the retention jumps exponentially. So what I do is I'm listening, and I'm following along. Because I want it to anchor in, and I'm like, whoa, I, I've been reading the Bible my whole life. I didn't catch that before. And I'm remembering things in a whole different way. And so to familiarize with hearing God's word, so it's so deeply anchored inside of you. Because what happens is what I would call the cocktail party effect. Now, you've all been at a party or an event or whatever else where everybody's talking. There's just a lot of chaos, whatever else, just talking. And so the room's, you know, and you're trying to hear, you know, just trying to talk. And all of a sudden, you hear your name, John Talbert, over here off to the side. Now, somebody could have said anyone else's name, but they heard, I said my name, and I am attuned to my own name. And so when I hear all the chaos, and I hear my name, and I'm like, who just said my name? You've had that happen before, or they said a topic, or a famous athlete, or something you're familiar with that you are keenly aware of. That's the cocktail party effect. And what's happened is that you're drawn into that. And what I look at is, is when we're so richly entrenched in God's word, that when we hear something remotely close to a topic, a situation, a particular theme, that our ears can cut through the noise to hear God's word, or hear God's, like, something that you feel like, I want... I need to say something to that. Here's what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3. It says, let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. See, if he wanted us just to read it, he would have just said, hey, you should read this. Richly dwell means it is so anchored inside of you that you have the cocktail party effect that when something comes up, that's your response. And you want to hear God familiarized with hearing his word. It says, let the word of God richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and moshing one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, and thankfulness in your hearts to God. There is, a, there is an immersion that you should try with audibly listening. You can get it on the Bible app. I find it really helpful. Here's the second thing I want you to do. First is familiarize yourself with hearing God's word. The second is what I call rescript false and faulty soundtracks. False and faulty soundtracks. Everybody has soundtracks. If you use Spotify, Pandora, or whatever else, you're like, hey, here's a playlist. And, and you know, when you're, you got, you're going to work out or go jogging or do something that's fun for you, and you're like, I want to play this playlist because these are my songs. And it makes you feel something inside. And oftentimes what happens I've become familiar with this. Someone wrote a book, a guy named John Acuff, and he talks about the idea of a, f a favorite soundtrack that you play on your phone or in your car. But a soundtrack for us can be an inner voice that you hear again and again that either lifts you up or tears you down, where you can begin to think, um, or, or a soundtrack that, that locks into something, a belief system about yourself. And then you begin, to you begin to live out what it is that you have been saying in that soundtrack or what's been playing in your head again and again. If you play in your head, I'm a loser. You begin to believe that you're a loser, and then you be behave like a loser. And I, as my, in my role in professional sports, as we talk to athletes, we understand that this whole soundtrack thing plays into the psyche of them being on the ball field. Because if they think they're going to lose, they're going to believe they're going to lose if they're saying that language, and then they behave that way. And it's the same thing in our lives. And if there's faulty soundtracks that have played in your past from, from brokenness, wounded experiences, or whatever else, that is a false identity, that is faulty and false, and you're playing that in your head, it needs to be rescripted. It needs to be, have a new identity. When, growing up, I, I struggled through school. And in the third grade, we had a parent-teacher conference more like a parent-teacher confrontation. And uh, my third grade teacher was going to sit with, with, with my mom and I. And she said something that marked me for the longest time. She said something to my mom. She says, there's a student like John in every class, and um, he won't amount to much, is what she said. She literally said it to my mom in front of my face. And I remember it. I was in third grade. It was a long time ago. But it marked me. And I began to 
my, my schooling career, my schooling days through elementary school and junior high and high school were marked by that because that's what I believed. And whatever you believe, that's how you behave. And I had to literally pull myself out of this soundtrack and re-script something in my head. And it may be the same for you. That something that you're playing, that you're hearing internally, needs to be rescripted. I'm inviting you to do this audibly and to rescript something. Second Corinthians says this. I love this because it's, it's like Paul's talking about soundtracks. He says, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, you're a new creation. You've got a new soundtrack. The old is gone. The new is here. Ephesians says this. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, that old soundtrack, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on this new self, this new soundtrack created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That's why Jesus often audibly spoke identity into people's lives, son, daughter. He spoke language that brought them in, that gave them identity. And maybe you need to re-script a faulty and false soundtrack that you're playing in your head. The third one is to fine-tune God's calling on your life. Fine-tune God's calling on your life. I like the idea of fine-tuning. You know, I got here, the band's up here, and people are playing, and I saw somebody back there, and they've got their guitar. And they, you know, to us, it sounds fine. But to them, they have a fine-tune because it's like, no, it's just, just slightly out. Just, just tune it just a little bit. And that's the fine-tuning of somebody who's refined or somebody who's skilled in their musical ability. And with that, to, what, I, what I look at that, I'm like, um, we're called by God into ministry. It says in, it says it in um, Ephesians 2.10, it says, where is workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do, that God has uniquely created you to do something specific in this world for his kingdom. And as you listen to what it is that you're good at, like I am really good at hospitality, or I'm really good at serving, or I'm really good at speaking, or I'm really good at this, that you fine tune that, you listen to what, what, how can I get better? How can I improve the gift that God has given me for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of others, to advance his kingdom? Stuff that he's prepared for me to walk in and do. Fine-tune it. The next one is to, um, what I believe, is to protect from damaging sounds. Protect from damaging sounds. And each of these senses, sight, touch, taste, smell, and hearing, there's always a downside, right? Something tastes great, then the opposite is true. Something tastes terrible. If something smells good, then something smells bad. And the sense of hearing goes one step further because uh, other than sounding awful, it's the one sense that can actually bring damage to you internally and damage to your hearing ability. Um, there's a sound decibel level that actually damages the eardrum. And when I work on my property, I was sharing this with a group earlier. Um, I have that 14-acre property out there with trees and constantly taking trees down and cutting, you know, uh, limbs that have fallen and putting them through the chipper. Anytime I put my chainsaw, pull out my chainsaw, I do double hearing protection. I do inner and then the outer because I know the damage that it can actually do. And hearing can do in damage on the internal side of who you are, much like the negative soundtracks that you play and literally listen to internally damaging yourself. Sometimes there's message from the outside world that does damage to you personally. Negative talk, foul language, gossip, slander. The Bible talks about it all over the place. He says, in 2 Timothy, he says, but avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness. Ephesians 4 says, let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander. Let it be removed from you along with all malice. And then Philippians 4 tells us, focus on these things. He says, whatever's true and noble and right and pure and lovely, whatever's admirable, anything that's excellent or praiseworthy, these are the things you should dwell on. That becomes from protecting ourselves from the damage that it can actually do spiritually. And the last one, the last one is familiarizing your, familiarize hearing the voice, God's voice. So first was God's word, this one's God's voice. I grew up in the church. My dad was a pastor of a big church called Calvary. 
in Santa Ana, down in Southern California. And so I grew up as a church kid, a pastor's kid. So I've been in church my whole life, and I've been in meetings and hearing people talk and grew up with this, and I would hear people say things like, God was telling me this. God was telling me to go to the mission field. I heard God say, da-da-da, and God was telling me that this is what I should do. And as a kid growing up, I'm taking that literally, God actually said something. And I always feel guilty, like, man, I don't know what, and so I think, like, I wonder what he sounds like. Like, and I would ask, sometimes I'd ask, like, what did he sound, like, they're telling me, you know, this big thing about how what God did for them and God's called them this. I'm like, what did he sound like? That's, I don't know. And for the longest time, and I still have this in my brain, I believe God sounds like James Earl Jones. I just do. I just think he's got the best God voice. And um, so it's, so actually when I read through my Bible, it's James Earl Jones reading the Bible. It's really cool. It's like Mufasa from Lion King or, you know, Star Wars. Either one, you know, pick which one you want. But I feel like that that's what God sounds like, right? But I wanted to familiarize myself with hearing God's voice. And as I grew older, I began to ask myself the question, what does it actually mean to hear God's voice? Because people may say that, but you'd be like, I don't know that I've heard it. So here's, here's some things that, that have guided me. First is this. Prayerfulness with a focus on asking is what guides me to hear God's voice. Prayerfulness, like God, uh, this is what I'm asking. Mindfulness with a focus on sensing and clarity, being quiet, being mindful. Patience with a focus on waiting, not forcing, just waiting. Openness with a focus on, on weighing in on trusted others. Openness, like what is, what is the people that are most important to me saying about this? Willingness, willingness with a focus on my own response to the outcome. Like what is he actually asking me to do? Is it hard? Do I wanna, do I wanna say anything because maybe it is hard or is my response to that? And then courage, courage with a focus on obedience to rightly respond to what I actually hear. And that's what I would qualify when you look at and saying, how do I familiarize myself with hearing God's word? It's just to slow down, prayerful, mindful, patient, open, willing, and courageous when, he's, when, when I'm sensing this is what he's saying to me to do. And I take the sense of hearing of what I actually audibly hear and recognize God has so much for me and so much for you to experience him in prayer and worship and his calling of us into serving him in his kingdom. So that's what I want to share with you guys. Will you join me in prayer as we close our time out? Father, thank you for the opportunity to be at such a great group, with a great group here at Calvary, Calvary Online, those at the um, other service. I pray a blessing over our time that you worked in us and through us, through your word and through the senses that we've experienced you and empowered by you and strengthened by you called by you, and Father, that we would be sensitive to hearing and obeying. We commit our time to you, and we commit this coming week to you in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thank you.